Jude, verse 17. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. Do others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, <clears throat> dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen. Here ends the epistle. Heavenly Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will indeed enable us to trust in you alone and also faithfully to obey you alone. And we pray this morning that he will open our hearts and our minds to your word and our, your word to our hearts and our minds. We pray that for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, our title uh, this morning uh, is How to Fight, Uh, not of course physically, but uh, spiritually uh, and uh, in line with uh, the baptismal command to fight under the banner of Christ against sin, the world, and the devil. And that's also in line uh, with the mission of the 19th century founders of uh, Jesmond Parish Church, and so with the mission that uh, was uh, uh, re-established, as it were, at St. Joseph's uh, last year, namely to maintain and promulgate sound, scriptural, and evangelical truth, and which involves a struggle and a fight. And how important those words Uh, are for us today in a 21st century post-truth world. As uh, Jude, whose letter we're looking at uh, uh, these uh, three Sundays, would have us understand, uh, would understand. For now, you have to define what you mean by truth. And those words, sound, scriptural, and evangelical uh, truth, do just that. Uh, And those adjectives are so significant. Let me explain. First, the truth is to be evangelical. And that means uh, it is gospel truth or the truth that is the good news about Jesus. And that is because as Article uh, 18 of the 39 Articles, we're going to be thinking about these later on in this session, uh, Article 18 of the 39 Articles of the Church of England uh, says, quoting scripture, there is only the name of Jesus, whereby men must be saved. And uh, uh, that is a a word from the Apostle uh, Peter uh, that you can read in the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, But people people have constructed over the years many different Jesuses. They have often made up an idea of Jesus to suit their own liking. Well, those founders answered that issue. They answered it very clearly by saying 
that sound scholarship means it has to be the Jesus of the Bible. For that is the apostolic book of first-hand contemporary witnesses to Jesus. It can't be some 21st century caricature based on the bits of the Bible that you like. So the truth has to be not only evangelical, but scriptural or biblical and evangelical. However, nowadays in this pluralistic world, it's fashionable to be biblical uh, and uh, scriptural, but still to come up with quite uh, non-biblical views. So the question is, how do you interpret the Bible? Again, those founders were clear. They said, you need to have not only scriptural and evangelical truth, you need to have sound scriptural and evangelical truth. Uh, What does that mean? Well, the Anglicans, uh, uh, for Anglicans, it's, it's the way of interpreting the Bible uh, expressed in Article 20 of those 39 articles. That article contains the sentence which says, it is not lawful for the church to ordain anything that is contrary to God's word written, the Bible, and listen, neither may it so expound one place of scripture that, that it be repugnant to another. And that's to say, while of course there's not to be any forced uh, harmonization, there is to be a common sense reading of the Bible as a whole, uh, and not just parts of the Bible that you like. So you interpret the Old Testament in the light of the New Testament, and the New Testament in the light of the Old. And it is that sound, scriptural, and evangelical truth Uh, In our fight for the truth, we have to maintain and promulgate or promote or spread abroad. Well, so much by way of introduction. Uh, In the rest of our time this morning, I want us to look at our New Testament reading that's Jude uh, 17 to 25, which is all about maintaining sound, scriptural, and evangelical truth. And uh, this passage is uh, on uh, page 217. There's no page numbers Uh, for Jude because it's so short, but uh, uh, you'll find it there. The last book before uh, Revelation. But this this is particularly relevant uh, this year in 2017, may I say, because 2017 sees the 500th anniversary, this book of Jude, sees the 500th anniversary of the uh, start of the Reformation. It was in 517 that Martin Luther nailed his uh, 95 religious theses to the church door of the castle church in Wittenberg uh, in Germany. And that lit the touch paper, setting alight the uh, whole reformation of the church in Europe and then beyond. However, it was Martin Luther who once famously said, or actually he's been paraphrased as saying, this is the summary of a range of his teachings, the following... If I profess with the loudest voice and clearest exposition every portion of the word of God, except precisely that little point which the world and the devil are at that moment attacking, I am not confessing Christ, however boldly I may be professing him. Where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved. And to be steady on all the battle fronts besides is mere flight and disgrace if he flinches at that point. 
And sadly, the battlefront in the Church of England this year and elsewhere relates to sexual and gender morality. But Jude's letter is particularly for just such a situation. It deals with people not maintaining but denying Christ and biblical sexual ethics. So perhaps you'll open your Bibles, as I say, at uh, 1027, um, so we can see exactly what he's saying. And if you want to jot any notes down, you can do that on the back of your service sheets. I've just two headings. First, the need to maintain sound scriptural and evangelical truth. And secondly, how to maintain sound scriptural and evangelical truth. First, the need to maintain sound scriptural and evangelical truth. Look at verses 17 uh, to 19. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. Uh, By way of uh, background, Jude, of course, is most likely Jude, Jesus' brother. And he was compelled to write because the Christian faith, uh, its doctrinal and ethical basis, was under threat. So he's telling these early Christians, uh, verse 3, they need to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to uh, the saints. And the reason is that subtly, verse 4, certain people have crept in unnoticed Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality. They may have been saying that uh, sexual intercourse should not just be procreational, uh, it uh, could also be recreational. After all, God is a God of grace, he gives us freedom in Christ, so do what you like sexually. We don't know the precise details of these teachers or teachers, but we know There was this teaching leading to sexual license in churches like Corinth, the one at Corinth, um, and uh, uh, also in Revelation chapter 2, we have the church at Thyatira, where there was a problem uh, 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 led by a woman called Jezebel. She was positively encouraging sex outside marriage. And of course, sadly, such teaching has now come into the churches of the West uh, and is with us today in the United Kingdom. A starting point was there in the 1960s, and it's just, uh, for the present situation we're in, has just mushroomed ever since. The sexualization of the churches can be quite shocking to some people, but in one sense you shouldn't be shocked. That is because you were told to expect this sort of thing happening by the apostles, as verses 17 and 18 say. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, they said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. Certainly Peter taught the same <coughs> uh, in uh, 2 Peter, as Jude is saying here, uh, and that teaching of Jesus. Also Paul, his last message to the Ephesian elders or clergy included these words, Acts 20, 29 to 30, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples, the disciples after them. 
and uh, Paul wrote to Timothy about such teachers. However, what specifically can we say about Jude's false teachers? Well, let me mention five things. First, they seem perfectly normal uh, because, first of all, they had crept in unnoticed and they were described in verse 12 as hidden reefs. On the surface, they seemed good. The water was lovely, but you just couldn't see all that was bad beneath or the what was beneath. These people may well have talked about uh, fluently about God's grace uh, and love and Jesus' example of love and how Christians should love one another and the danger of legalism and the law. They could have sounded so orthodox. I once heard a bishop, the leader, uh, certainly the figurehead of the new theology and uh, new morality uh, movement in the, UK, in the UK in the early 60s. And he was preaching on Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, which says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. It was, in one sense, the truth and sounded good, for that verse is clearly true. It was evangelical, uh, for that verse was about the good news of Jesus. And it certainly was scriptural, because it's there part of Paul's letter to the Galatians. But it was not sound scriptural and evangelical truth as he was expounding. For it must not be preached on its own uh, in a way that allows you to do anything your sexual instincts desire, because that is repugnant to all the teaching of the Bible about the holiness of God and his righteousness. Indeed, you have a clear statement of that holiness teaching later on in that same chapter 5 where you have the works of the flesh listed. And what are the first three works of the flesh listed? Well, answer, sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality. And the bishops of the Church of England, in a report, once summarized the teaching of the Bible so well as to exclude any such new morality. They wrote, I quote, There is in Scripture an evolving convergence on the ideal of lifelong, monogamous, heterosexual union as the setting intended by God for the proper development of men and women as sexual beings. Sexual activity of any kind outside marriage comes to be seen as sinful and homosexual practice as especially dishonorable. So first, the teaching of these people seemed good, but in reality, uh, it was bad. Then secondly, these people seemed witty and probably were good company. Verse 18 describes them as scoffers. Well, actually, uh, that translates a rare word that's used nowhere else uh, in the New Testament, except in 2 Peter. Others translate it as mockers. Another translation is not taking things seriously or treating things as a joke. People who, who were not taking things seriously. Of course, the more you make something a joke, it lowers its value and it's easier to treat it casually, and that is certainly true of sex. And of course, when arguing theoretically, wit is so powerful. If, in a debate, you can make someone who holds the biblical view on sex look silly, you gain considerable support for your liberal views for casual sex of all sorts. And yes, thirdly, verse 18's reference to their own ungodly passions 
seems to have indeed been sects of all sorts. Again, without going into detail, verses 5 to 7 uh, of Jude's letter suggest these folk were justifying total sexual license from plain heterosexual fornication to un unnatural or ritual sex to homosexual sex. And fourthly, verse 19 is blunt. It is these who cause divisions. It is the false teachers who cause church splits and impairments of communion, not the biblically faithful people. And fifthly, the ultimate cause of all the trouble is that these people, for all their appearance and subtly, verse 18, are spiritually dead and utterly worldly. They need to repent and be converted. So the faithful people Jude was writing to certainly needed to work uh, to maintain sound scriptural and evangelical truth. They had to contend for that or fight for it peacefully. But how? Well, that brings us to our second heading, how to maintain sound scripture and evangelical truth. Jude teaches that uh, for maintaining such truth, there has to be a twofold response. First, there needs to be the personal spiritual growth uh, on the part of the faithful. Uh, it's not all to be criticizing other people, which is a great danger. And secondly, compassionate action with regard to those who have been confused by false teachers. First then, personal spiritual growth. Look at verses 20 and 21. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. So Jude here is saying four things are needed. One, you need to build yourselves up in your most holy faith. So you need to make sure that uh, together with others, you're on top of what you believe, and uh, not least how and why your Christian faith is most holy, as it says here, in doctrine and in ethics. For it is in contrast to the unholy and degrading beliefs and practices of much of the Western world, as it was in the ancient Roman world for these people Jude was writing to. Today, once what, what once was stigmatized as uh, immoral behavior uh, and even punished is now not only tolerated but privileged. And conversely, while what was once regarded as moral is now stigmatized and punished. Witness the MacArthur family. They, you know probably about this case, you may not. Their baking company was punished for refusing to decorate a cake with a pro-gay marriage campaign slogan. And now that you may pray, please, for the appeal to the Supreme Court in England. However, to build yourself up in your most holy faith takes effort. According to your need, it can involve making use of the groups that Ken was talking about, the Church Explored, Christianity Explored, and other groups, and their uh, Christian Institute literature, uh, groups like that that you can read, to uh, keep yourself uh, up to speed, as it were. I write uh, regularly a monthly colored supplement that some people find helpful. Uh, you do have to work to get yourselves up to speed. And it is a psychological fact that unless you are convinced in your own mind 
you will never be able to take a private, let alone a public stand for your Christian faith, particularly on these sexual ethical issues. And that is why you need to build yourselves up in your most holy faith, as Jude says. Two, Jude says, verse 20, that you are to be praying in the Holy Spirit. Uh, that is according to the Holy Spirit's will and for the Holy Spirit's wisdom and then for his power and courage. And that is so vital. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. That's John 15, verse 5. And the Holy Spirit needs to make that union with Jesus more and more real in our own experience and life. And he needs to open blind eyes and soften hard hearts that are out there amongst our friends and colleagues. For it's so true, as uh, some of our 16th century reformers well knew, namely, that what the heart desires, the will chooses, and the mind then rationalizes. But three, and above all, you are told, verse 21, to keep yourselves in the love of God. And that is God's love for you that in turn generates your love for him and for others. Cranmer, who wrote those uh, 39 articles, little just after Luther's time, uh, he was the main drafter of them, uh, in his homily on salvation puts, says this, the right and true Christian faith is to have a sure trust in confidence and confidence in God's merciful promise to, save, to be saved from everlasting damnation by Christ, whereof doth follow a loving heart to obey his commandments. One who needs that uh, truth expressed in those uh, Victorian, uh, Elizabethan words, that God loves you and wants the best for you. And most of all, to save you for all eternity through Christ's death, as we celebrate this morning uh, in the communion service, fr from your sins uh, and forgive you for your sins. Well, says Archbishop Cranmer, if you truly believe that, that Christ died for you and wants to forgive you, you do repent of all your failings and sin. And then out of love and good will towards God, you will obey God and do good and so help towards changing the world for better, not least in this whole area of total confusion at the moment in the West of uh, sexual ethics. And four, you are, verse 21, to be waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. You are to be living ready for heaven when Christ returns at the end of time. And that is a great motivator to uh, stop false teaching and maintain the truth so that others too can be saved for that wonderful hope, that hope of Christ's mercy and eternal life. So Jude says, first, for maintaining the truth, this is uh, verses 20 to 21, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. But secondly, he says, uh, there needs to be compassionate action. Look at verses 22 to 23. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. Now the origi original text, the original Greek text, is unclear here, but the gist is clear enough. 
Jude earlier in verses 4 to 16 has been quite ruthless with these false teachers. In fact, uh, the only place in the New Testament where there is such a horror and denunciation of false teachers is in Jesus' attack on uh, the Jewish religious leaders in Matthew 23. But Jude writes now in a totally different tone for people being seduced by false teachers, yet still trying to be faithful. For such, he says, it's essential to show mercy. Uh, he's saying it's similar to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, after the chapter 5 I referred to earlier. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. But Paul then adds, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And so Jude here also says, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. A Jude is saying, hate the sin, but love the sinner. But be careful that you don't lose by familiarity your hatred of what is polluted. And when necessary, he says, take appropriate drastic action. For you have to save others by snatching them out of the fire. Now, of course, these are all metaphors and picture language. Uh, but I'm sure you can apply them to situations you know about. I must conclude, the year ahead, I think, may be turbulent in the church and in the state for Christian people uh, trying to be faithful and trying to maintain sound scripture and evangelical truth. And in the church and in the state, I'm sure we're all being called at one and the same time, both to maintain but also to promote promulgate as never before sound scriptural and evangelical truth and contend for it and fight for it but peacefully and it is quite daunting where we're at at the moment in uh, the outside world as it were but you and I can have great confidence and that is as we trust in the one to whom Jude finally prays in verses 24 and 25 and this is a wonderful uh, promise here implied uh, in Jude's prayer for all of us as we <coughs> seek to be faithful in, in the wider world. To him and in the church. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now uh, and forever. Amen.